so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In these verses, Jesus tells us his whole purpose in coming, which is to save the world. And it would culminate in him being lifted up from the earth, just as the serpent on the pole was lifted up by Moses in the wilderness. And just as everybody who looked upon the pole and upon the serpent was healed from their snake bites, so everyone who looks on Jesus will be healed from the bite of that great serpent, Satan, from the bite of sin, from our failure, from our shame. His purpose in coming was not to condemn us for our failures or to judge us for our mistakes. It was to save us, to save us from sin, guilt, shame and from death and to give us eternal life, resurrection life. And we'll think more about that on Sunday. Of course, the cross is the culmination of, of events that began in Gethsemane on the previous night. And this morning I want to focus on on the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. Because each one reveals to us more of what was going on for him and for us at that time. I'm not going to have the time to go into all of those in great detail, but I just want to share a thought on each one and bring us to our reflections and in our worship this morning. So it began in Gethsemane the previous night where Jesus was arrested. And there followed, of course, an illegal trial by the priests in the Sanhedrin. Then there was the trial before Pilate, who who vacillated before sending an innocent man to his death out of expediency. And in amongst all of this, of course, Jesus also had the ignominy of standing before the puppet king, Herod. All in all, it was an awful uh, lead up to the cross. But then we have the events of Jesus' suffering. There was the severe flogging, the walk out to Golgotha carrying his crosspiece whilst enduring the jeering of the crowds. Then came the expert work of the uh, Roman executioners who nailed Jesus to a wooden cross and lifted him up from the earth just as Jesus himself had spoken would happen. And there he was lifted to slowly suffocate and bleed to death. And in amongst it all, Jesus gave seven sayings which are recorded in the various Gospels. And the first saying was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Recorded in Luke twenty-three thirty-four, And this is the word of forgiveness. The sayings of Jesus on the cross begin with an appeal to the Father. And this first one is an intercession on behalf of others. Even in the midst of his extreme suffering and pain, Jesus was able to lift up the needs of others. Who was he praying for? Was it the Jewish leaders who had condemned an innocent man? Was it Pilate? Was it the Roman soldiers? We don't know for sure. Perhaps it was all of these people. In his address on the day of Pentecost, Peter says the following. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. The crucifixion of Jesus was part of God's plan, but was carried out by rebellious human beings. Perhaps it was those who had no idea who he really was, whom Jesus was praying for. What is certain is that this cry, in this cry we see the heart of God, who wants nobody to perish. 
in the midst of the worst that humanity could do to him. Jesus is crying out for mercy and and grace, the grace of God to be poured out on sinful people. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The second saying was to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise, recorded in Luke 23:43. And this is the word of salvation. It's incredible that in the midst of his own punishment, the thief was able to recognise Jesus for who he was and, for, and to ask him for mercy. All around, people were railing against Jesus and even the other thief was abusing him. But this man saw something different in Jesus, something beyond human, something divine. Perhaps he had seen Jesus moving amongst the crowds or had listened to his teaching in times past. Perhaps he already had faith despite his criminal career. Or perhaps in that moment when nothing else mattered, where life was ebbing away, he saw something special in Jesus. Whatever the case, at that moment his faith reached reached out to Jesus and he asked to be remembered when Jesus came into his kingdom. His faith saw beyond the crown of thorns that were, were a mockery of Jesus' kingship to the king behind them. And Jesus' response? He promised him a future beyond the suffering of crucifixion. And even in that moment of extreme suffering and torment, Jesus promised hope. He still does. No matter who we are, no matter what we're going through this morning, the grace of God is there for us. If you're listening today and struggling with anything in this life, know that the promise of Jesus is extended to you. He is there with you in the midst of your suffering. If you'll put your trust in him, if you'll call out to him just as the thief on the cross did, he will give you a promise of a future both here and beyond the grave. The third saying of Jesus on the cross was, Woman, Behold your son, John, behold your mother. The word of relationship recorded for us in John 19, 26 to 27. And in this moment, we see the compassion of Jesus towards Mary and perhaps towards John. She was the one who had given him birth and had, put, put, had to put up with the rumours and suspicions surrounding his conception. She had nurtured him. She had cared for him through his childhood. And now she was stood before the cross watching her son die, the most agonising death known to man. I'm sure this is not what she expected to happen when she'd heard the announcement of the angel all those years before. Despite his agony, Jesus looked down on her and committed her into the care of his most beloved disciple. He knew that she would need someone to help her bear the grief of the next 48 hours. How great is the compassion of the Lord that he saw through his own sufferings to the pain of others. And how great must have been her joy when she heard the words of the angels at the tomb on Easter morning. Tradition has it that John did continue to care for mother, for, for, for Mary throughout the rest of his, her, his and her life. The Lord knows our suffering and our grief. He's with the broken hearted. And he reaches out to us in the midst of our own pain. He comforts us. He cares for us. The next saying of Christ on the cross is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is recorded in Matthew 27.46 and Mark 15.34. This is known as the word of abandonment or the cry of dereliction. It is, of course, a direct quote from Psalm 22. And notice it's posed as a question, 
Why have you forsaken me? At that moment, in the midst of his suffering and bearing the weight of the world's sin upon himself, Jesus felt like he had been abandoned, even by the Father. Jesus faced the worst of all deaths, feeling completely alone. Many of us who have been in isolation or lockdown have a sense, to a certain extent, of what it is to be alone. We're deprived of human contact and of access to the world around us. Jesus knows what it feels like to be in isolation. But the truth is that he never leaves us. Later on in that same psalm, in verse 24, the psalmist continues speaking of God. And he says, For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And so even though Jesus felt completely alone, the Father was with him, hearing his cry. The Father had not abandoned his Son to his fate. The Father suffered the agony of his Son dying. The Son suffered the agony of physical death and the feeling of separation from his Father, and thereby enters into our suffering in extremis. When we suffer... When we're isolated and alone, God is there with us. He hears our heart cry. He responds to the prayers of his people. And if you're feeling like that today, call out to him. Know the comfort of his Holy Spirit as he surrounds you with his love and ministers to your spirit. The next saying of Christ on the cross is a simple one. I am thirsty. Recorded for us in John 19.28. This is the word of distress. This is the cry out of the humanity of Jesus. After his hours of agony and loss of blood, there is no doubt that he would have been thirsty. And the response of the soldiers? Well, they gave him a sponge soaked in, in, in sour wine or in vinegar on a branch of hyssop. And that was in direct fulfilment of Psalm 69.21. It's been suggested that at this moment, Jesus wanted to quench his thirst so that nobody would miss the next words that he was going to utter. However, more than that, he had a real physical need. Some have also contrasted this word with the story of the woman at the well in John 4-7, when Jesus asked her to give him a drink. In that situation, it was Jesus who satisfied her spiritual thirst. And in the same way, while Jesus was physically thirsty, his action ultimately released rivers of living water to satisfy the thirst of all humanity. The penultimate saying of Jesus on the cross is, It is finished, recorded in John 19.30. This is the word of triumph. These are the most momentous words to be uttered upon the earth from the time of the fall. The punishment for the sin of the world and its rebellion had been put on Jesus. Sin and death had done their worst, and he had exhausted them. There was nothing more required to complete our salvation. And at that moment, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The way was made open for all people to come into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. That way was no longer via sacrifice, because the ultimate sacrifice had been made by Jesus on the cross. And for us now, we have access into God's presence. We have a relationship with the living God, not through the blood of bulls and goats, but through the blood that Jesus shed on that cross, just as we sang about a few moments ago. And we can now come boldly into his presence. Knowing our sin, our wrongdoings have been dealt with. There's no longer a barrier between us and God. We're accepted in the beloved. We are welcomed as his children. Hallelujah. He is our Christus Victor, our victorious Christ. 
It is finished. And then the last statement. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Recorded for us in Luke 23:46. This is the word of completion. This is the sign that Jesus' physical life was finished. He knew that his end had come. And he also knew that there was no need for him to suffer further. The salvation of humanity was complete. He would, not allow, he would now allow his spirit to leave his body. This saying is found in Luke's Gospel uh, uh, 23.46 and is immediately followed with, having said this, he breathed his last. Matthew and John both record that he yielded up his spirit. Matthew and Luke both record that this statement was made with a great cry. In his moment of death, Jesus made clear that his trust was still with God. Also, he chose the moment of his death as he breathed his last. So in the sayings of the cross, we can map the the suffering he went through, but also see that in the midst of his suffering, he had you and me in his heart. He died once for all, and his death and resurrection are all that is required for the salvation of the world. And if you're listening to this this morning and you don't know him, I would encourage you, cry out to him today. Trust in his work on the cross. Trust that what he's done is for you and sets you free from guilt, sin and shame and promises you eternal life. So let us together now remember him once more as he instructed in the bread and in the wine. (coughs) Scripture says the Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Let's take a moment to pause and just think about all that he's done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your broken body. And thank you, Lord, that by it we come back into relationship with you and experience the love, the faithfulness of the Father God. We bless you. And after supper also he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And we remember you, Lord Jesus, this day. We remember all that you've done for us. We remember you suffering, but we also remember your victory and the victory that that brings to our lives. We thank you for your blood shed for us. And I pray, Lord, that throughout the rest of this day and over this weekend, as we remember the events of your passion, that we might, Lord God, be ever thankful. And that, Lord God, as we come to Sunday too, we will celebrate your resurrection with all that means. Pray your blessing on each one of us today. Amen.